Thank you for tuning in to Summary Judgment, where Austin personal injury attorneys Josh Fogelman and Aaron Von Flater of FBF Law discuss the ins, outs, and in-betweens of personal injury cases. Okay, this is Aaron Von Flater, and I'm here with my law partner, Josh Fogelman, and we are talking today about how do car accident settlements work? Uh, this is a broad question, but you know, a lot of our clients come to us not really sure of what all their questions are. Uh, they know that they have been hurt and they've heard that settlements occur, but they don't really know what that process is. So Josh, you want to just start us off by, by kind of describing the overview? Sure. And, and there's a lot of places people can go on the internet and find settlement calculators and things of that nature. But I think one of the, one of the things that we've learned over the course of our careers is every single case is different. And so in order to figure out how your particular car accident settlement's going to work or what your case trajectory is going to look like, uh, you have to look at the specific factors involved in your particular case. And, and some of the main factors when we're doing a client intake or evaluating a case, one of the main factors that we're looking at are things like how severe are the injuries? Is, is there an obvious catastrophic injury? Do we have broken bones or hospitalization with surgical intervention? Or is it a person that's having some discomfort in their back and neck? Maybe they've sustained a concussion or something of that nature, um, which can help us sort of help discuss with the client what their course of medical treatment is going to look like and how long it's going to take for us to figure out what the short and long-term consequences of the injury are. So severity of the injury is a big factor. We often look to see whether there were any sort of aggravating factors that were involved in causing the incident that resulted in the, in the injury. Some examples of those would be drunk driving, cell phone use. Um, you know, there could be any number of really bad reprehensible behavior that contributed to the accident occurring in the first place. And those types of aggravating factors can have an impact on what path we take towards a resolution and really the ultimate case valuation because there are certain things that we can do with cases that have really egregious facts that we're not able to do in, in less, uh, less egregious cases. Yeah, One of the I would say that some of the moving parts I've seen that, that people that surprise people are, you know, we got to get the medical bills. Um, we, we've got to talk to a lot of times their health insurance company and find out how much they're claiming in reimbursement out of the case. And then a lot of people are surprised to learn that we even have to pay the ins health insurer back. And of course we negotiate that, but um, you know, what are some of the other uh, kind of confusing things about settlements that, that you've seen uh, from new clients? No, you're absolutely right, Aaron. You know, how many people have their fingers in the pie uh, is something that many new clients are surprised to learn. You mentioned health insurance companies. You've got hospitals that file liens over your case, um, and, and they can be pretty aggressive with their collection efforts. So if you wanted to simplify sort of how the case works, there's going after and collecting the money, and then there's figuring out how to deal with all the people who claim to be owed money out of the settlement or out of the recovery. Uh, and, and it takes a lot of people by surprise to learn really how complex it can be to 
fight back against people who are wrongly trying to get their hands on, on a recovery that's designed to compensate a person for a real and serious harm or loss that they have sustained. Yeah. Talk about scaring someone, you know, when the health insurance company, I mean, when the hospital files that lien and it comes uh, in your, to your house and it's got the state of Texas logo on it, and it obviously appears to be something scary. Um, talk a little bit about, about, you know, what a lien is and, and you know, why they're filed. Sure. Well, a lien, the best way to think about it is if, if you were to go and buy a new car or if you were to go and buy a new house and you had to borrow some of that money in order to pay for the, for the house or to pay for the car, the bank that loaned you the money will have a lien over, over the house or over the car. So if you don't make the payments, they'll come back and they'll, they'll try and take the car or the house back. And a hospital lien kind of works very similarly to that if it's, if it's done properly by the hospital, which it's oftentimes not. But when they're done properly, when you settle a car accident case or, or if you, you know, go to a jury trial and get a recovery, the hospital is going to have a priority interest in that recovery. And if you fail to pay it, they'll sue you and they can, in some instances, sue your lawyers as well. So really important to get a handle on whether the hospital has done the things that they need to do in order to properly assert that claim. And what we're finding more and more is hospitals engaging in abusive billing practices in order to really inflate what that lien looks like. So I would say dealing with liens and dealing with those back-end liability issues are, are a pretty big factor that come into a car accident settlement and actually making it work. But when we're, when we're talking about what a case looks like from the outset, there are some other big items that we have to consider, like what do the liability insurance limits look like? How much insurance does the person who hurt you have? And similarly, how good a job did you do of protecting yourself from a situation where you might get hurt by someone who doesn't have enough insurance to pay for all the damage done? And, and Aaron, as you know, we talk all the time when we go on onto, onto the news and things of that nature. And when we're, we're uh, drafting blogs, we're talking all the time about things like underinsured motorist coverage. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things that surprises everyone is that uh, when they get in a bad, like a catastrophic accident, we are going to pull in coverage from all corners of the earth. You know, we might have short-term disability involved, health insurance involved. Uh, people may need to take settlement loans uh, to feed their family. Uh, we've got to find their uninsured motorist coverage, their PIP coverage, which is another, you know, there's like, they have all these names. Um, and all you need to know is that, uh, slow down, you know, don't sign on the dotted line or release anybody, uh, without at least getting informed. And that's kind of where we're coming from with this, how do settlements work? Well, the answer is, um, each case is a snowflake. It's unique and needs to be analyzed by someone who's seen it before. Um, Josh is, do you get the question a lot? Um, you know, why aren't they settling with me right away? Uh, like in that first month. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we get a lot of different questions about insurance conduct very early on. Um, sometimes insurance companies don't want to make settlement offers because there's a question about who actually caused an accident or they can't get a hold of their own insured, which can open up a whole different type of can of worms. 
But what we generally advise people is even if an insurance company is coming to you with a settlement offer early on, you should be very skeptical about that and you should take the time to get educated about what your rights and options are before you consider engaging in a negotiation with an insurance company to settle your case before you really understand what your situation is. And oftentimes that can take many, many weeks or months to develop a full understanding about whether or not an injury is going to have any short or long-term consequences, which is what you have to do before you can be in an equal bargaining position with an insurance company. Yeah. So, you know, bottom line, uh, I think, and Josh, you'll agree with this message. Let everybody just get informed. Um, if you call a lawyer and they sound high pressure, they sound like they're not going to answer your questions, then move on to the next call FBF law. You know, we set up our law firm, to make sure that people could get answers first. You know, uh, we, we, the, the law does not belong to us. We don't sell it. It's the people's and we want people to get those answers when they call us. So, um, you know, call us and thanks again for listening.